The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. In the last podcast episode, we began to look at the first of the servant songs of Isaiah. These servant songs are passages within the book of Isaiah, which clearly point us to the coming Messiah. The Jews in Isaiah's day knew him as the suffering servant. We, of course, know him as the Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered for his people. Last time, we began to see the identity of the servant and began to look at some of his person and work. Join us today as we continue our examination of the servant songs of Isaiah by looking at the song of the chosen servant. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Let us pray that holy man 
reasons I love the King James translation is because it's one of the only ones left that will keep in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7. That verse is missing from all, almost all of the modern translations, but it's the strongest verse about the Trinity that we have. He says, There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. See, the Spirit of God is upon Christ because God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are one. If you remember, John the Baptist was preaching over there in the third chapter of the book of John, and he made the statement in verse 34 that him, he whom God has sent, speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. If a man stands in the pulpit and preaches, under the power and demonstration of the Spirit, God has given him a measure of the Spirit. But God didn't give the Spirit by measure to His Son. He possessed it in total. He possessed it completely, you see. See, He is qualified to do what He's being sent to do. And now notice His character. Notice His character. Look at verse 2. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause His voice to be heard in the street. Christ, it was not a social reformer. Christ was not a protester. Christ was not a social engineer. He was not a political, he didn't come to bring political upheaval. Nowhere do we ever see that Jesus lost control of his own spirit. He got angry. He cast them out of the temple. But that was a righteous anger that he was always under control. You know, one of the problems I have in getting angry is I lose control. <laughs> You know, I, I, I try my best to, to, to restrain it. I try my best for you never to see the spirit of anger that resides in me. But I tell you, there's some that have seen it, and I've always, I've always struggled with it. Because when I get angry, I, the first thing I do is lose control. I lose control of my mouth. I lose control of my emotions. I lose control of my spirit. But the Lord Jesus Christ never lost control of his own spirit. He came... He says, he shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. When they were taking him to be judged before Pilate, wrongly, when they'd taken him to the courts of Herod, he didn't start a movement. There was no hashtag free Jesus. You know, there was no movement that got out all over the media of that day. In fact, the movement was all against him. Do you know what we're told? Like a lamb to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. He opened not his mouth. He wasn't a protester, beloved. He shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. And notice the compassion, the nature of Christ, the compassionate, merciful nature of Christ. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. You know, what, what is this referring to? Well, you know what a, you know what a reed is, and... It's a big, long, mostly a tall uh, piece of vegetation, slender, thin. If you go out there and you take a, a reed or some weed or piece of grass that's pretty tall and you, you, you squeeze it enough, it bruises. You know what happens to that little bruised place? Next thing you know, it just falls over. It's weakened. It's weak and it's, it's hurt. And, it's, and that part that's injured just all you got to do it may still be standing but all you got to do is just touch it a little bit and it'll fall over 
you got the you got the smoking flags, and that's talking about just. I think often about these movies about men and women that are that are stranded in the frozen wastes of the Arctic and somewhere in the woods, maybe where it's uh, where it's freezing, and they're they're trying to start a fire and they're trying to you know blow on it and keep it going, and all it would take is just a little puff of wind that would just blow it out, and that's the smoking flags. Beloved, the bruised reeds of this world, the hurting people of this world. You know anybody like that? You know anybody? You ever been in that situation? The hurting people, the people that are weakened to the point of breaking. The lightest touch might snap them in two. The lightest touch, the, the, just the, it doesn't take much effort at all. It says the Lord Jesus Christ shall not break that bruised reed. He didn't come here to break the bruised reeds of the world. The smoking flax, I believe that's probably a reference to those who are struggling with their faith. The flame is, is already out and the smoke is all that's left and that's, that's, the heat's just almost gone. Even the slightest puff might extinguish that smoking flax. You remember how Jesus dealt with those that were struggling? You remember the man that came to Jesus and he said, my little daughter is dying and I need you to come. And I need you to heal her. And, and he got tied up on the way. But he told him before he left, he says, I can heal her, basically. He said, if you have faith, he said, do you believe this? You remember what he said? He said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Do you know how many times I find myself in that position? I believe. I trust the Lord. I know he's there. I know he's got this. I know he's going to take care of me. But Lord, I struggle. Lord, there's so many times that my faith fails. I'm just struggling and my prayer so often is, Lord, I believe, but, but you know where I'm struggling. Lord, you know where my faith is weak. Help my unbelief. Lord never went, you know, when that, that man told him that, he said, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. The Lord didn't say, buddy, you better get it together. You better start, you better get stronger. You better quit this. Failing to believe. You better be more and more faith. You know, that's what the world teaches us in so many places. It, said, it just, you just got to have more faith. Your problems, there's a whole ministry out in Texas built upon the fact that you just don't have enough faith. And if you just would have enough faith, you can live your best life now. <laughs> As I think Brother Buddy said last Sunday night, I, if this is my best life, then I'm in trouble. <laughs> This is never the best life now for a child of God. You see, the smoking flax. He, you know, he didn't deal with that smoking flax, those struggling in their faith like he did with those proud Pharisees. Now, he won't tolerate pride. Those that were lifted up in pride, he cut them down. You know, we're told that that's what would happen in the kingdom of God. Every high hill would be brought down. Those proud Pharisees would be brought down to the same level of all the others, but praise God, the low valleys would be brought up. Those that are struggling with despair and their faith and they're, they're struggling out there, they're on the same level of you and I. Let me just tell you, and I, don't, I, I want to say this as, as charitably as I can. If you're looking around you and you're looking at these other people and this person over there, oh, they've got it all together, quit doing that. Because number one, you don't know. You just think, oh, well, that family, they're the perfect family. They got it all. No, let me tell you something. There is no such thing. And every person here this morning, including yours truly, struggles with faith. Not just once or twice a year, but several times a day. Nobody's got it together. 
But the Lord Jesus Christ had it together. And he's not going to come down and blow out the smoking flax or break the bruised reed. What a lesson for us. What a lesson for us. It, it teaches us how to deal with those that are struggling in this world with their faith, with their doctrine, with their practice, with whatever it is, those who disagree with us. Listen, the purpose of evangelism, child of God, is not to rack up church members. We want more and more of God's little sheep to come into this church as, as many as he'll send our way. I, I'd love to see the pews filled, but that's not the purpose of evangelism. The purpose of evangelism is to glorify God in the message and to comfort God's children with his word. See, that's what the, that's the, that's what the Lord, that's what the suffering servant came. He said, a bruised reed. He's, you know, the, the Jews were wanting a war leader. They wanted somebody to set it right. They wanted a war. They wanted a political upheaval. They wanted the Romans gone. Lord Jesus Christ even preached to the Romans. Roman centurion came to him and said, I've got a sick servant. Lord, I need you to heal him. He starts to go. He said, Lord, don't, don't. You don't come. I'm not worth I'm not worthy of you coming into my house. I know you can just speak the word. And he said, I've not found so great a faith in all of Israel as is. That was taboo to the Pharisees. But the Lord loves his people and has people everywhere as we'll see. Now notice as we come on down here, our time's getting a little short. Look at verse 4. You know, this is the servant that... He was, the, he was selected for the task, and he was certain to complete it. Notice what it says here. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth, and the isles shall wait for his law. And notice something here, child of God. These are shalls. These are shalls. I like the shalls of the Word of God. You know, I like the wills, but the shalls, there's just something stronger about that. You know, he tells us in Matthew 1, 21, he shall save his people from their sins. Here it says, he shall not fail nor be discouraged. You see, a God who cannot do what he sets out to do if a man won't let him is a God who has failed. He's a God who has failed. Here he says he shall not fail. That's one reason I believe in the sovereign grace of God. I believe he did what he said he would come to do. I believe he completed the task. When he said it is finished, he didn't mean something else. He meant it was finished. The work of redemption had been completed, you see. And notice this. I like this. He says he shall not fail nor be discouraged. The word discouraged literally means to be crushed are discouraged, are, are in despair to the point of quitting, okay? There's been many times that I've been discouraged in some task that was set before me, but not God, not God. We're told in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Christ Jesus our Lord. He is faithful. He's not discouraged. He's the faithful high priest, we're told in the book of Hebrews. We're told that He is faithful in the book of Hebrews that promised you say, well, didn't he kind of get discouraged and lose his faith over there in the Garden of Gethsemane? That's not what the Garden of Gethsemane is all about. Over in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was in a great agony of soul. Not about, you know, I don't believe he, I know, I know the death, the, the physical death he was about to endure was, was a daunting thing to face. It, it, it is for me to think about death and dying. I I don't look forward to the process of dying. I don't look forward to my death from a physical standpoint. 
But I don't believe that's what he was wrought up about over there. The passion that he was experiencing. The agony that he was enduring had to do with the separation that he knew was about to be, be about to occur among the Godhead. And, you know, I've told you before, I can't explain that fully, but I know that there was a break in the fellowship of the Godhead. Why was there a break in the fellowship of the Godhead? Because Jesus Christ, the second person of the Godhead, was about to become that which the Godhead hates. We're told in Habakkuk that he's of purer eyes and to behold evil and canst not look upon sin. He can't look upon sin. He can't be. That doesn't mean he doesn't see it happening, but it means it cannot be in his presence. He hates it. You, don't, you, you, want to know how, you want to know how much God hates sin. All you got to do is look at the cross. Because I got to tell you, if that was my son about to be nailed to the cross, that's the point where if I were the righteous judge, I would be tempted to say, time out. We're going to let it pass this time. We're going to let it slide by this time. I know, I know there's a lot of bad stuff, but just come on down, son. You're my son. I, I don't want that to happen to my son. But the Lord God Almighty hated sin so much that he, he endured having his son nailed to the cross. And to become sin, that which he hated. And you know what he said? He said, if it be possible, let this pass for me. He's not saying, please, God, get me out of the cross. What he's saying there is, I know, Lord, you promised we covenanted before the foundation of the world that I would come into this world and that I would become sin and that I would take upon me the iniquities that you laid upon me of all of my children and that I would die on the cross and that I would be raised again. But Lord, I'm, just, I'm telling you, if I have to suffer for eternity, if I never rise again, I'm going anyway. But I trust you that you're going to resurrect me. You see, he's not trying to get out of it. He's saying, Lord, he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass, let the wrath pass. But if it, if it required enduring it for all eternity, he would have done it. But he knew that it wouldn't happen that way. God, Christ, will not fail, you see. And what is he faithful for? What is he not failing about? He said, to set, he said, he shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth. He came here to set all things right. And not just, by the way, for the Jews, but the isles. Even the, the, the nations out there to the far corners of the, of the world shall wait for his law. He is here to set judgment. Remember back up in verse 1, it said, he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. The Jews didn't understand that because as far as they were, their experience, God only dealt with them. But you see, God had a people of every kindred and nation and tongue out there. And they were to experience his grace and mercy as well. God will not fail. God will provide. Look at verse 5. Thus saith God the Lord. He that, now I love this. He's, a lot of times when a, when a court is writing, when we're writing an opinion on our court or when a judge is issuing a judgment, one of the first things that he'll do is set forth his jurisdiction and his authority. Say, you know, this case having come before the court on this motion and the court having determined that I have jurisdiction and I have the authority to do this, here's the judgment. God is setting forth his authority here. Look, thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it. You know, I believe this is somebody we can listen to. I believe this is somebody that we can 
uh, agree, has the authority and the power to do whatever that he, need, he wants to do. He that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. This is the God we're talking about that's going to provide. Verse 6, I the Lord have called thee. See, I'm the God, I am God the Creator. I am God the Father. I am the only God. Go back, go over to Isaiah 46 sometime and read about how great he is. He said, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people. See, God not only set the course of eternal redemption. But he walked the path. In a sense, you might say he held his hand while he was here. You remember all the times that Jesus would go and he would, he would, he would verbally talk to God. Sometimes he'd go off by himself in a mountain to pray. But standing at the tomb of Lazarus, he said, Lord, I thank you that you hear me. And then he's sort of as an aside. It's sort of like he's doing this. He said, I know you always hear me. <laughs> I know you always hear me. But for the benefit of those standing around, I'm saying that. And that's, that's basically what he says there. Because God was with him every step of the way. God the Father provided for God the Son because God the Father and God the Son were one. He was certain to complete the task. And beloved, he is glorified in it. This is the suffering servant, remember. This is not somebody who looks all glorious and fine and high and mighty sitting on a big white horse with glorious armor. This is a suffering servant. He's sent, though, to complete a task that would be the most glorious task in the history of creation. And that is the redemption of his people. Notice there at the end, it says of chapter, of verse 6, this, it says, He'll give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. This is what Christ, the suffering servant, was elected to do. That's why he is mine elect. He is the chosen servant. This is what he is going to do. He is going to open the blind eyes. He's going to be a light in a dark world. He's going to bring the prisoners out of the prison house. Those who are under the bondage of sin, he's going to free them from the bondage of sin. And we ourselves will then become prisoners of hope, as Brother Lonnie Mazingo told us about a few weeks ago. The prisoners of the hope that we have in Christ. And notice in verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, Neither my praise to graven images. God is glorified when his word is preached in its right way, in the right way. Notice he says, my glory will I not give to another. He's not going to give his glory to the preacher. He's not going to give his glory to the church. He's not going to give his glory to the sinner. The gospel should be about the Savior and not the sinner. The good news is about the Savior and what he's done for sinners. The world's gospel focuses upon what the sinner must do. If you're, if you're listening to a gospel that's always talking about the sinner has to do this and the sinner has to do that, and it's the sinner's choices and the sinner's actions, that's not the good news. That's bad news. If you tell me I've got to do something to complete the transaction, that's horrible news. That's the worst news you could give me. Because, beloved, I know me too well. I know me how I've been this very day, the Lord's day. You think, well, at least on the Lord's day you get it all right, don't you, preacher? No, on this very day I've been struggling with sin. I'm sure if you're honest with yourselves, you'll say the same thing. See, the gospel 
of the world focuses upon what the sinner must do, but the true gospel focuses upon the, what the Savior has already done to complete the transaction of salvation. In verse 9, he says, Behold, the former things are come to pass. <laughs> I like that. He's affirming what I've said happens. When I say it, that's, that's as, as we would say, you can take that to the bank. What does he say over in chapter 46? He says in verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Skipping down just for the lack of time to the middle of verse 11, he said, yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. I am the Lord, he says. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. We can trust the promises of God. That's basically what he's saying here. And that's what the first song of the suffering servant tells us here in the book of Isaiah. That this chosen one, this servant who was selected by God himself, shall not fail or be discouraged. And as great as he is, he sympathizes and empathizes with every single one of his children. And if you keep reading, we won't for the lack of time, but you'll see that the first line of chapter, of verse 10 here, sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise from the end of the earth. <laughs> That's the response to this song. That's the song we should be singing. Rejoice in what the suffering servant has done. And then that leads us over into Isaiah chapter 43. And we've spoken from Isaiah 43 before. That sweet, comforting statement. He says, Now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Now, you can read that as cold words on the page of the Bible, or you can do like I've done recently and try to picture that in my mind and get a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ standing in front of you and looking at you, child of God, and calling you by your name. I've substituted my name in that verse many times lately, and what a thrill it has been to my soul. Fear not, Chris. For I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, Chris McCool. Chris McCool, thou art mine. Now I'm not his because I got good enough. Or because I made the right choices. Because I make all the wrong choices. I feel myself to be, be the bruised reed and the smoking flax so often in my life. But the suffering servant, the suffering Savior, completed the task that was given him to do. And because of that, I can rejoice and I can have hope. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. 
If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.